0: hi you're listening to she shield a podcast for men and women seeking guidance on everything self-defense i'm grace And I'm Sophia. Our goal is to advise and empower anyone looking to begin or further their martial arts journey. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. Aaron Gennetti has blessed us with his presence and is going to share some awesome wisdom about the knife world and grappling world and really anything he wants to talk about today. So Aaron, I will let you take this time to introduce yourself and your background
1: Go. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be on. Um, uh, like you said, my name's Aaron Gennetti. I run a training facility in Columbus, Ohio, um, where we do a little bit of everything. We've got strength conditioning, weightlifting, uh, jujitsu, uh, hybrid defense, which is krav maga self-defense uh kind of thing we do heavy bag classes kickboxing a little bit of everything so it's a lot of fun Um uh, my background uh as far as why i have any right to be on here talking about self-defense uh in 2008 uh i found krav maga originally and uh for like lack of a longer explanation like Dropped out of college, started teaching full-time, and was like, this is what I need to be doing. I like training. I like teaching. I like coaching. Um, so over the last 14 years, uh, I've got black belts from two different organizations in Krav Maga. I'm a brown belt uh, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, which I laughed because on the, uh, your last episode, you were like, yeah, he's like a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I am
0: so sorry. Oh, you're good. It doesn't I,
1: bother me at all. Are you sure some, some Brazilian? Some Brazilian is rolling over in his bed right
0: now. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I apologize. I think I I thought it was like a black belt. He's like a black belt. Yeah, well, so it was, really it's like almost there. he can't, he can't <laughs> be like a black belt, <laughs> It's yeah, either you, true, are, or you, you are. are or you are. So okay.
1: but yeah, so a <laughs> uh, yeah, so <laughs> belt jujitsu. Um I'm a uh, rank four in Balintowak Kali. That's for lack of a better like understanding, that's like a brown belt, I guess, kind of in a, a terminology there. Uh, I've done a ton of firearms training, uh, I've done a you know a bunch of CQB training. I've had the pleasure of of following Craig Douglas for a long time, and then in the last two or so years, actually getting an opportunity to train with him a lot. Um, so I've I've touched and dabbled in everything. I've trained in Israel with krav Maga. I've traveled around and done a bunch of stuff, um, different grappling, wrestling, all the con- uh, type of components. I have a huge thirst for knowledge. I love learning new things, experimenting with it. Um, I've If you go back and watch videos from a year and a half ago, I most likely teach something different now. And if you go back and watch videos a year and a half before that, I was teaching something different then. So it's a constant evolution. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm 36 and I've been doing this 14 years. So technically I'm young as far as the industry goes, which is a super neat place to be because uh, I've, had the opportunity to teach in about 35 states, um, and three countries. And, you know, like a lot of people are like, wow, this is really good information. So it's a really cool place to be where it's like, okay, I'm obviously presenting really good information. And I also know that I've barely scratched the surface on what I'll know 15 years from now and another 15 years after that. So it's an exciting place for me. I love coaching. Um, I love having discussions like this, um, and learning from them as well. So that's my, I guess my snapshot of my, my background for the last 14 years.
0: It's amazing. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And this is your time to shine. You can say as much about yourself as you'd like to, you don't have to (laughs) snapshot or anything. This is your episode.
1: I I train, I teach. um, And you know, like uh, here at the facility, like I said, we have a bunch of different programs. I teach all of them. Um, and then when I travel around right now, primarily I travel around with knife control concepts, which, uh, you know, Sophia is how you and I got, um, hooked up originally. And, uh, that's a, a big program that has developed over the last, I would say about six years as far as like how it's started kind of, I guess, evolving or at least, uh, sprouting in my head. And then, but I've traveled around and done a bunch of both corporate and open source or open enrollment, um, active shooter courses for civilians, very hands-on stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I love coaching. I love this stuff. So that's about all I've got to say on that, man.
0: (laughs) Yes. I do want to say you are an awesome instructor. Like I felt very engaged the whole time. It's a very long course, um, for like a weekend, I think for most people to just come off the street and take it. Um, and I, even though I've had a background in martial yes. arts, I did feel like I was just coming off of the street. Um, but the way you taught was just very, it was intriguing and it was funny. Um, I think, did, so did you listen to the entire last episode about when the guy walked in yeah. and, oh my goodness. Okay. Did, oh, you, yeah. did you laugh? I hope you laughed at that part. Cause I, <laughs> that was like oh, my yeah. fourth time telling that story. It was so freaking funny. Um, if you guys haven't listened to that, it well, was like.
1: He literally, I turned, I, I, the whole weekend, I kept, like, that whole Saturday, I was like, oh, my God. I kept looking over and being like, oh, my God, it's my brother. He's just, like, standing <laughs> over there. Like, I don't know if I'm having flashbacks and, like, being triggered. Like, I got to fight this guy right now or what.
0: <laughs> right. Right. You probably made him feel so special. He probably went home and was like, that's awesome. That's- yeah, yeah. like yeah, his yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus he's big. And anytime a big
1: guy walks in. Uh, I think I said this when I was there, when I, anytime a big guy walks in, I'm like, I want to fight that guy, like respectfully. Like I, I actually want to know like how well would I do against that person? Cause right. that's, you know, more or less who I want to make sure I can fight. That's why I do, uh, any of the competitions I do, I do absolute division so that I can, I mean, if I'm going to be good at jujitsu as a Brown belt, I want to be just as good as a 300 pound Brown belt and see where I stand up to him. So, uh, yeah, and he walked in, and he was just jacked. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to fight this guy. Like, oh, shit, he looks like his oh, brother. Like, just like, <laughs> it it's a fun combination. So, yeah, he was a good dude. He was a real good dude.
0: So our first question is, what mm-hmm. martial arts – sorry, I'm going to jump right into this. Um, sure. What martial arts um, were the most intuitive to add into uh, your program, your KCC, um, besides jiu-jitsu? Mm-hmm. What other martial arts do you think were, like, the most intuitive versus – not so intuitive to add in
1: totally uh so uh i would challenge you on the word intuitive there um uh, and mainly because like if we go think about intuitive if you look at it from a nature standpoint it's like something that is is easy accessible maybe already there in some form or fashion and in my experience fighting is not necessarily intuitive you have to have some experience with it um you know, for me, my initial experience with it was my brother beating me up, hence the conversations that we, we did earlier. And, and in a, in a loving way, however, I would say a aggressive <laughs> way, nonetheless, you know, so I got, I started to learn things through the experience of him wrestling and pinning me down and, and all that type of stuff. So I think it needs to be built. Um, now, what's the, what what in our experience do we think is the the best program that makes the most sense and get people gets people there faster? Um, forms of wrestling, really, um, and much like I think a lot of people have discovered, at least people that have been around long enough, like Craig, for instance, uh, Greco-Roman. Uh, wrestling from the the ideology that you're generally using angles and pressure and upper body i'm not trying to do like leg takedowns and trips and sweeps and things like that i'm learning how to control somebody else's upper body with my upper body and take angles and give pressure but wrestling in general even when we start getting to the ground tends to be more favorable for self-defense because the objective of wrestling is to be on top and be in control so there's no complacency on the bottom. Um, so especially when you're you're dealing with a weapon, in our experience, that idea, that mindset of be on top, get on top, be on top, get on top, be on top, get on top, as opposed to like when I'm in a gi, like I love playing X card. I love playing deep half, you know what I mean? And and those things, you know, though you should well, let's just say though those skills have come into play when we've done some pretty weird aggressive scenario training. Uh, that is not like the go-to. It's like, oh, you're on the ground. Obviously, nice enter again. into X-Guard. Yeah, you know, enter into X-Guard and, you know, grab a lapel and squeeze them up <laughs> over top and then knee bar them while they stab you in the back. Like, that doesn't make as much sense. Uh, so wrestling ideology tends to fill the space for us in the KCC program. And it's important to understand, you know, with knife control concepts, what we say KCC is, we we say that we live in the gray area so where most self-defense systems, including my background in Krav Maga, when they would deal with knife defense, it was like, here's the stab, here's how you block it, here's your strike, here's steps A, B, C, and D, and then you eventually end up in a disarm. And that's, in real violence, that is rarely how it happens. You know, they they either sneak their way close to you through verbalization and all that type stuff, the preemptive or pre-contact stuff we talk about, or... It's in the middle of a fight and the knife gets drawn out or the knife's out and it's a violent, aggressive uh, attack versus, you know, oh, it's a downward stab. And I'm going to do an outside defense counter and then do a wrist lock and, you know, a cavalier, which I taught for years. I mean, I'm and not like a little bit of years like I'm like that was I would run around the country telling people this is how you defend the knife. And then the second people would mess it up or have an issue with the way they entered, it would be like, well, just go off like a bomb and see what happens. Uh, (laughs) So we – I actually started moving into that space. And so we tell people we live – the KCC program specifically lives in between entry and exit. So whatever the entry is, you're already being stabbed. You're stuffing a draw. It's an overhand stab. There's a shirt grab. Whatever the entry is, we start there. So we're already dealing with a blade. And then we take everything all the way to the exit. We get people to wherever they need to go so that from a law enforcement perspective, they can use the skill set to navigate to where they need to get to for disengagement to force, potentially getting into a cuffing situation for somebody that has their own weapon in, in real life. Like again, so like Sophia, for instance, like how do I get to my gun? Well, now we get you better at getting to the positions where you can actually access your firearm and potentially use it. Um, you know, if I want to just snap the person to the ground to create some space and get away, we're going to get you into the positions to be able to do that. So whatever the entry is and whatever the exit is, we help people learn how to navigate the middle ground, which in my experience has been avoided for a very long time. A lot of us would kind of get in there and be like, Oh, it's just ugly. It's the gray area, you know, just figure shit out. And that was a lot of the answers we got. Um, so over the years, I started navigating that space a lot more. Like, what was that? I was introduced to stand-up wrestling um, from Ryan Hoover down in Charlotte, and that really blew open my mind as far as how we should be approaching weapons and things like that. So, coming all the way full circle back to the original question, because our main focus is to teach people how to feel energy, adapt to energy, and deal with the the terrible infight of a weapon. In my experience, wrestling mechanics, the idea of forward pressure, understanding how to cut angles, how to move arms and limbs, how to, how to work your way to the back, and more importantly, be on top and be in control, um, that has, by and large, been the most impactful for taking people I've trained for a decade and making them actually effective when things go off the rails, um, fully knowing that in knife defense in general, it sucks. And so there's no clean version of a defense in any way, shape, or form. You know, with, you might get stabbed, and you, you accept that. The idea is to increase your potential to not get stabbed as much as we can. So, um, so yeah, wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling. We definitely steal elements from BJJ, uh, but I'm going to be completely honest, Grace. When we were developing especially the ground system, uh, and you'll appreciate this as, you know, a, a, you know, a diehard BJJ athlete, uh, we were literally, like, at points in time, like, you know, it's me and two other black belts. So it's like Eli Knight, who's, you know, everybody knows who the hell Eli yeah, Knight is, yeah. and then Mike Cheney, who's my coach, uh, who's a black belt. So it's like me and two other black belts, and I'm the self defense, the self defense guy, and we <laughs> were doing something. And it was like my job to be like, okay, guys, real quick, are we getting a little too jujitsu here? And like we would actually have to take a step back and be like, okay. Uh, okay yeah maybe you know how do we how do we make this more direct more to the point point? and it was it was a really good balance because my coach mike um I, it sounds weird to call him my coach but he is he is my coach but he's also like one of my best friends. but uh he has a huge wrestling background tie boxing background and he's a bjj black belt and then you got eli who's primarily known as a bjj guy but he has this deep interest in self-defense And then me, I'm, I'm the self-defense guy who does kickboxing and BJJ. So it was the perfect mixture of three completely different minds that approach grappling in three different ways. And we kept each other in check. And that was one of the things that we had to constantly look at. Like, can we teach this to somebody that's never done jujitsu? Like that's what's going to matter. And when they leave, is this something they can practice and drill and be applicable? Um, So yeah, all of that to say, wrestling,
0: wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the why damn it that's awesome well thank you, you for your why probably, <laughs> yes that was an awesome why i do want to ask this isn't on our list but um I, I think this is how conversations work so that's okay um, but yes so, keep so, from the script Yes. Okay. You got it. Um, what do you have to say to the women? I'm just gonna So <laughs> for, for that gray area, what do you do or what would you tell someone who takes your course, but wants to train the before and after? So the initial yeah. stab in and maybe like after the disarm, disarmament. disarmament? Yeah.
1: Yes. Totally. <laughs> okay. So, um, a couple of things, if, Uh, if people have a previous training, so like, let's say I do run into somebody that comes from a Krav Maga background. The first thing that I tell people, and this is the same with self-defense in general, but the first thing that I tell people is, you know, for now, you know, negation, acknowledged. don't fight whatever reactions and things that you may have already been working on. Right. So in like the Krav Maga system, They're going to rely heavily on, you know, what they refer to as outside defenses, 360 defenses, things like that, which are like arm stops, big, bold blocks and checks. And then parries or what's often referred to as inside defenses. So it's just blocks and parries and they might have some extra additional striking and stuff that goes into that. And it's like, look, all that shit's fine. So now start taking the drills that you do and implementing our stuff into it. And what you're going to realize is that by drilling those two things together, it's like, oh, wow, I'm actually optimizing my ability to do the things I'm already practicing, but do it at a higher rate and also be able to adjust if maybe I do something uh, uh, and it doesn't go exactly how I planned it. So the, the biggest pitch I tell people is if you already have a background, my goal is not to go around and tell people, you know, uh, you know, Kali is dumb and impractical. It's like, well, whatever, dude, if you've been spending 20 years doing Kali, you probably have some pretty decent skills in that realm. Let's just take the practical you know, uh, application of wrestling and see how you can implement it into what you do with Kali and see what you come up with and have some fun there. So the first thing I want people to understand is KCC really uh, optimizes everybody else's ability to do the thing. So like for somebody that maybe comes through like an ECQC or an EWO, uh, when they get to us, you know, where Craig does this incredible job of what's happening verbalization, space, creating distance, talking to people. Then there's an ambush. Then there's this. that He's showing you the whole nine. We're going, we're going to spend 12 hours focused just on the invite. And that's it, right? So like we're hyper-focused in that one area. Well, you do that and then you go back to an ECQC again with now those skill sets and it's going to optimize your ability to do those things. So that's the first thing I want people to understand is if they already have uh exits and they already have entries you know our main objective is to go in and say hey like do the things you're doing better by adding our stuff to it um now if they have no experience we want to keep things as um gross motor very applicable i i like one part of me hates using trigger words like intuitive and instinctual and flinch response and that kind of fun stuff however they are realistic and it doesn't matter if a blade's coming at you, it's relatively natural to reach towards it or shy away from it. So those things are very natural. So we try to keep it in that same regard. Um, and so we do a lot of arm stops and parries, but they're, they're un, um, unstaged, unchoreographed. It's more like, I'm going to have somebody coming in at you, stabbing and stabbing. And how we're learning arm stops and parries is like, just don't get stabbed. Like whatever angle you need to make to make those shots you know, make that happen. You got to figure that out. You got to figure those, those answers to it. And then my objective from there is to either make space and get the hell out of here, right? Cause we don't want to wrestle. We just know that wrestling is applicable inside close quarters. Uh, or how do I mitigate damage, moving the knife around blocking to get an initial linkage, something I can grab onto, grab onto a shirt, grab onto the arm, grab onto their head, to then start utilizing all the other skills, be it striking or grappling, whatever that is. So we keep it very, very general with, um, uh, like we call them arm stops. So literally just big bold blocks using the forearm, preferably the outside of the forearm. Cause this is where all the nasty you know, veins are at. Right. So I go here. Um, so that's like the way we approach the initial entry for somebody that has no background, And then as far as disengagement goes, the big question for people is, what do you need? What's the context of self-defense for you? You know what I mean? And even in the case of, let's say, a law enforcement officer, they're going to have a different context when they're on duty, they're going to have a different context when they're off duty by themselves, and they'll have a completely different context when they're off duty with loved ones, right? Those are three completely different scenarios and so on duty, you know, I may be, you know, going to higher force. I may be, maybe working my way to a position of control to put the person on the floor and then go into cuffing. I may be buying enough time because I know backups, you know, 30 seconds away. And so I'm mitigating damage as much as I can and, and working through that fight, whatever that is to do my job as a law enforcement officer. Right. So that's that context. If I'm out by myself, Well, now it's just run. It's get the hell away from them. So I'm using all of these skill sets to potentially get an outside angle to slam them on their head to turn and run, to maybe snap them to the floor to turn and run, to make some space, punch them in the head, to get them to kind of shy backwards and then turn and run. Well, me, if I'm out with my wife, my two kids, that I love them to death, but their legs are about this big and they're not running very fast, I now have to manage that fight so that my wife can either take the kids and remove them somewhere else, or I have to manage the fight so that that guy can never get to those people. And so that context is totally different. Now I'm probably going to want to put them into a wall. I'm probably going to want to take them to the floor so that I can be on top and control, knowing full well that the longer I'm in a fight over a blade, the more likely I get stabbed in the process. But the context is now different because emotionally speaking – I don't want anybody to harm my loved ones. So I'm going to put, I would like to think I'm going to put my body on the line in that fight to make that happen. Right. So it's a, it's a tough, it's a, there's no one answer to that question from a disengagement standpoint or from an exit standpoint, because context is so heavily dependent on that. As an overall general idea, if you can turn and run, get the hell out of there. Like, get away from the fight as absolutely soon as possible, right? And your ability to run 400 meters as fast as possible should be part of self-defense. Like not, oh, well, you know, I can run, I'm able-bodied. That's like, but how fast can you run? You know what I mean? Like I can run 400 meters fast as shit. And I know that and I practice it, right? That's about as far as I run. But like, I got that on lockdown because that's an important skill set to have. Um, so space is super important if you can make it. If you're somebody who carries a weapon, right? So for you, again, if you're carrying a your firearm wherever you're going, well, now not only are you are you do you have a knife in that fight, but there's also a firearm present in that fight. So even if you control the blade, now what happens if the firearm gets involved, and then that's a whole other element to it. So now you've got to have a different context based into that, and that's where you're going to get, in my opinion, you're going to get into to maybe some more nuanced material. Um, no matter what that is, though, whatever your context is we can help get you to those places in a, in a better place, I guess, for lack of a better term. Does that make sense?
0: That does make sense. So normally when people ask me, what should they be training? I normally ask them what they carry on themselves and you know, whatever that is, I always say you should be training with that. And of course, like maybe go over some like styles of training, like Krav and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, et cetera. And like people like you that train more niche situations, but, um, for someone like me, who right now is only carrying like pepper spray, and a firearm on my person, just because I feel most comfortable carrying those two things right now, I would eventually like to add a knife to that mix, but I, I just don't feel like I have enough training for it. And that's that's a line of questioning that I definitely have set up to ask you about today in itself. But what would you say, like a good kind of system of training is for someone who does carry a firearm, but maybe also carries a knife or um, is aware that a knife attack may happen, you know, and they're bringing a gun to a knife fight. Um, what would you, what would you say for like training purposes that that person should do?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I love that when people ask you about training, you bring up, you know, the things that they're going to carry. Um, you know, that's, it's important for, in my opinion, it's important for people to understand that self-defense is very individual. Um, you know, even in the elements of, and you know, you know, Again, I know you both do jiu-jitsu. I know, Grace, like you do a lot of jiu-jitsu. Even in the elements of a, a club, like your coach may have a, a concept or a series of skills that's like their thing and they have a tendency to teach it really well and that type of stuff. However, if you've got, you know, even 20 students, they're, they might roll similar but they all have different body types. So they start figuring things out differently and they have different styles and they have different takedowns they want to hit. And that's happening organically. Um, and Instagram doesn't help, but nonetheless it's, it's on there, right? Yeah. Uh, so, but they're, they're, they're developing their own version of jujitsu. And I, that's one of the things that took me a long time to figure out is set curriculum. In my opinion, set curriculums, um, and like set ideologies on what should be taught and what should be baseline. Like when they get very specific, that generally is a product of scaling, which is like, I, I teach Krav Maga, like I'm a, you know, imagine I'm a Krav Maga instructor. It's like, I teach Krav Maga. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, now I have 50 students. I don't have enough time to teach them. So now I need to start developing coaches. Well, how do I develop coaches? Well, there has to be a system. And then it's like, okay, well, they've been working with me long enough that it's still a, a semi-organic version of that growth, but it's still a system. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, now I have 500 members, so I need a second gym. And now the more we scale, now it becomes another location, and now it becomes affiliations, the more watered down from a, a an organic nuance perspective that system has to be to be able to reproduce it. And so, you know, where I'm taking this all full circle is I love that you're asking questions about their individuality. And I, I would even take it steps farther. Like, you know, when you're with your kids, you know, what does that look like? Because running's not the same, fighting's not the same, you know, Hey, you know, have you had conversations with your loved ones? Like Kim and I, my wife, if we go out, like, I know she can fight. I know she knows how to shoot my gun. She doesn't do it, you know, maybe as often as I do, but I know she has those capabilities. And so there's a partnership in that self-defense when we're together is now a partnership for the most part. It's understood like I'm going to go fight the dude and do the thing for the most part. Listen to maybe what I am saying, pay attention to where I'm going. You try to like shelter this. And then while I'm doing this thing, try to go that way. You know, like that type of thing. there's a plan there. So it's a very individualistic is, is something that people need to understand when they fall, you know, victimized to not victimized, but when they fall into like, well, you know, you know, uh, again, keeping it with Krav Maga references, like Krav Maga worldwide curriculum versus Krav Maga global curriculum. It's like, well, the curriculum's there because we had to scale realistically, that's not really fighting. You know, it's like if you go into a, a BJJ Revolution gym in California and a BJJ Revolution gym here in Ohio, they're not the same. You know what I mean? They're teaching different things. They have different backgrounds. So self defense is much like that. So there's there's never one answer. If I got somebody that intuitively will get their head in, it will drive forward and be a very forward fighter, then that person's going to benefit from their natural desire to be in a wrestling base. And so then, you know, I would say, hey, this is going to be something a little more to you if somebody doesn't have that ability or they don't have that you know that drive that forward momentum and but they feel pretty good with like oh i can carry a blade and things like that well then they need something a little bit differently but all of them will need a mixture of wrestling slash grappling but you know again i say wrestling because i feel like there's so much pressure in wrestling it's not flowy it's not Rhythmic. It's not uh there's a lot of technique, but that technique is very driven. Um, so wrestling, everybody's gonna need some wrestling, whether you like it or not. Well, I'm small, I don't want to have to wrestle big people, me neither. I don't and I mean I, I kind of enjoy it, I'm gonna be honest. But like in real life, if they were actually trying to kill me, I don't want to fight that person. I would like them to be smaller than me, you know what I mean? But You know, it's like, but I have to learn how to do that because if somebody grabs me, I'm wrestling, whether I like it or not. So every choke, every body lock, every hair grab, that's wrestling. They have clinched onto you. So now we're fighting and we're wrestling. So everybody, in my opinion, needs a form of wrestling or grappling from stand up and then obviously on the ground as well. If they're going to carry a weapon, they need to be carrying that weapon. And then the elements of the open hand, in my opinion, if you're going to carry a weapon in public, whether it's a pepper spray or a firearm or a knife, to me, the, the longer I'm doing this, the more that I wish people appreciated how important it is to be able to keep that weapon. And that's where the grappling skills and the striking skills come into place. Because if that weapon, weapons do malfunction, especially when we're jittery. You know what I mean? Like you can cause your own malfunctions by not having a solid grip on the weapon. When you're, when you're engaging it, we can cause malfunctions, uh, involuntarily when somebody starts grabbing onto our weapon. Or if, you know, even think like high thumb pectoral, but I don't put my thumb up and all of a sudden I'm jamming the back of the slide into my, my chest and I pop around off. Well, now that slide can't cycle the way it's supposed to. And I've, I've essentially caused a malfunction. If I'm in the middle of a fight, pretty hard to tap and rack when somebody's punching you in the face. You know what I mean? It's like you have to make some pretty big decisions there. So the open hand skills will start to open up the idea that, well, even if I have this weapon in my hand, like a gun, I can punch people in the face with a gun. You know what I mean? And I have an opportunity there. So long story short, like, I love that you're bringing up the idea of like, what do you carry? You should be training with that. I also believe whether this is a popular opinion or not, it's my opinion that if you're going to carry a weapon, you should be really heavily focused on the, the physical ability to maintain control of that weapon. And that's going to come down to the open hand side. Um, and to me, that's going to be a mixture of, um, you know, some type of a wrestling component just cause there's so much pressure in wrestling. Like you can go almost 100% live from day one, even if it's just with head pressure drills, even if it's just with hand fighting, you know, that's, a, it's one of the beautiful things about wrestling. Um, and then some type of a striking element, an ugly aggressive striking element. In my opinion, it doesn't need to be like strategic tie boxing or boxing or anything like that. Like I tell people day one, the only thing that matters is if you punch somebody, you can do damage. I don't care if you're dropping your hands. I don't care if it's a big, dumb looping hook. Like if you, you can hit with the perfect technique, but if you hit me and I'm like, and I'm back in the fight, like that's not helping you. I got to wreck shit. So I want to be able to wrestle. I want to be able to break things with my own body as much as possible and then use those to pair up with that. Where self-defense comes in, or I should say self-defense programs, what they're attempting to do is speed up the process of exploration to figure out what makes sense for self-defense. Right? Like They're stealing what they think is the best from jiu-jitsu, what they think is the best from wrestling, what they think is the best from... Kali what they think is the best from here, and they're trying to make it so. Like, look, you don't know what the hell you're doing. Here's, here's like, you know, you do CrossFit. Here's the general physical preparedness. Here's the GPP of fighting. You got to do a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. That's really what it's coming down to. Um, but in the short run, in my opinion, learn to hit hard. Learn how to stay on your feet as much as possible when somebody's shoving and moving you around. So learn some wrestling, learn some grappling, and then understand that if you're going to use your weapon outside of a firearm, but even pepper spray, you have to be at a certain distance, and there's accuracy and there's stress levels. So like, there's going to be a component of grappling. I almost think to a certain point, and I don't consider myself necessarily the offensive knife guy, however, uh, I think to a certain point, the knife is almost the easier because think about how hard, like, we look at it as, like, I would rather, in two arms reach, I would rather fight over a gun than a knife. Like, hands down. I don't want to fight over either in real life. But if I had to choose when I'm already in physical contact, I would rather fight somebody with a gun than with a knife because I can grab onto the gun, I can cause malfunctions, I can do all that type of stuff. The blade is so much harder, right? And it's like if you grab the blade, well, now it can just cause damage. You can technically hold on to it, and there are success stories with that. But it's just such, you don't need any skill to use it. You know, we cut food and we open boxes. Like we practice a big chunk of our lives to cut things. So it's it's such a dangerous weapon because it's so easy technically to use. So I would almost say like to a certain extent, like you need more training with pepper spray than you do to carry a knife. The hardest part of carrying a knife is do you have the physical skill set to get the knife into your hand. Once the knife is in your hand successfully with a good solid grip, the use of it's pretty easy. Stab him in the face, stab him in the groin. Like that's like just repeatedly like nuts. You know what I mean? It's, that's that's appropriate. Like I said, I've done a lot of like Kali and I've done martial blade concepts and things like that. And they're fun. They're great. Like I love doing Hoobud. It's a blast. It's like hand-eye coordination. But realistically, if I've got a knife, I am wrestling with the knife while stabbing somebody in the face repetitively as as much as I can to freak them the fuck out to get away from me. And then as they get away from me, I'm turning and running and throwing my $20 knife away because I'm not going to spend $500 on a blade that I'm going to have to stab somebody with and then lose (laughs) anywhere. (laughs) So, you know, to, you know, to go back to your question from the get go, like, what do you think, like what's good training and, and things like that? It's still very context dependent. It depends on what your background is. Um, It's also going to depend on, I mean, people don't think about disabilities. Um, Most people, and again, like this can be a hard conversation to have. And I have this a lot and it makes, it makes people uncomfortable. It makes them very vulnerable. Realistically for most people, they got to lose weight and they got to learn how to run and they got to learn how to just be physically fit because nothing else matters in that moment. You know what I mean? We get people in, uh, active shooter and knife stuff. They're like, yeah, I would turn and run. And it's like, you look on their page and I go, Hey man, respectfully, you're 50 pounds overweight. Like I'll catch you. You know what I mean? If I'm the guy stabbing you and and the ones that are out there stabbing people, you know, again, doing that type stuff there, there are cases where yes, they have just snapped. Um, and we should be looking at that. And so they're untrained, they're unskilled, they have intent and that's dangerous in and of its own right. But The ones that are seasoned criminals, those sons of bitches are in shape. Like they're out there doing the thing. You know what I mean? Like how Mm -hmm. many videos have you seen of a good violent encounter where the dude's 50 pounds overweight? Doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So for a lot of people, like the first question is, you know, can you run 200 meters really fast? Well, it's okay. And it might be like, you know, hey, I just had knee surgery. Okay. Well, guess what? running is no longer an option for you. So now do you know how to fight with a cast on? Like it's a, it's a whole thing. Be so, with the cast. Physical fitness, some grappling element. As far as striking, I'm really just, I'm a jackhammer kind of guy, like be a wrecking ball, learn how to hit things hard. And then if you want to be a skilled fighter, like kickboxing is phenomenal. And then, yeah, if you're going to carry a weapon, you need to be putting hours in. Um, so in a perfect world, everybody trains fighting and self-defense six hours a week. That world does not exist. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No, absolutely. There's about 6% of us that train six hours a week. uh, But, you know, in a perfect world. So when people say, like, man, that's a lot, and it's like, yeah. Well, what are your priorities? You know, it's. That's very true. Yeah. Gambling is all it is. It's risk versus reward. And it's. You know, what's the what's the residual risk of where you live and the decisions you make to never end up in a fight? Guess what? Fights still happen. You know, are you willing to show up to that fight unprepared? And that's just a moral decision. I'm good either way. I don't get mad when people say they're not going to uh, train. It doesn't bother me. It used to. It used to really piss me off, especially as a dad. Like, I see dads and just be like, you know, oh, man, if anybody touched my kid, you know, I'd, I'd kill him. And I'm like, <laughs> and and, well and like for instance like right now my kids are at home so if somebody broke into my house and did a home invasion right now i ain't doing shit to protect my kids i gotta at least know that it's happening get in my car it's a five minute drive a lot of shit bad shit happens in five minutes you know so like people underestimate (laughs) the realities of those things when it goes into it but it's it doesn't make me angry anymore i just look at them and go that's fine you know, but you don't get to complain then if you do get attacked and it doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go. Like, you've, you've given up your right to do that because we've had this conversation. You decided it wasn't a priority for you, which is fine. I'm okay with it. But when you get attacked, you know, well, that shouldn't have happened to me. You're, you're right. Violence should never happen. It's one thing I get all the time with, and again, like with, with um, women's self-defense and in schools because I do a lot of active shooter stuff. You know, well, teachers shouldn't have to do this. This shouldn't be the thing where, you know, women shouldn't have to deal with abusive this and that. And it's like, I agree. I think we all like for the most part, other than the ones doing the shooting and the the abuse, like we all agree it's fucked up. It shouldn't have to happen. It does. So the question is, what are you going to do about it? And, And what are you willing to do about it? You know? And so that's, uh, I just, I went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but you get the idea as far as training and stuff goes. (laughs) That was,
0: that was great though. I was following every bit of that. Um, I, I was actually saying, wow, because everything you just said, I feel like has been a summary of like a lot of the epiphanies I've had lately with training. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I'm honestly kind of in this point of like shock because I feel like I need to go sit down and like write all that down and like study it. And cause it's, it's honestly like that was such a great summary of just overall training self-defense. Um, and like what that really means. And, um, I love having interviews like this with people like you that are just so knowledgeable in this area. So I can point people to these episodes and they can just come and like, listen and just really get it like get a great solid answer that's well articulated and kind of have some direction from there. Um so many things you said. I, I should have been taking notes, but I also didn't want to miss anything. But um I actually just made the other day a TikTok on because I you know TikTok, let's not go there. Don't don't judge me well, but,
1: you are um, a social media like mogul. I like I'm I'm yelling at Instagram because, you are because my because knife control concepts like blew up there was like a video that got like 1.6 million views and all of a sudden like, yes. the ship went up 18,000 and like I see Mike's making fun of me because I'm just whining I'm like a, I'm an old cantankerous man like I miss, <laughs> I miss my 3,000 followers that had good conversations and it's like the whole entire thing but oh, and I'm sitting man. over here like yeah. yelling at ACC or the Instagram page and then I see like Fit for Fia is like now I'm on Pinterest and now I'm on here and I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> like good <for> you. <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: right well, you're honestly all really the trends I yet. learned <laughs> I know I follow the trends I I'm, I'm kind of trying to make it like a full time job yeah, you're smart um, you so that would right you have yeah. to
1: until you get your legs under you like I want to be I want Craig Douglas's schedule because he like he knows. Every year when he releases his classes, for the most part, where he's going to be. I don't want to be there as much as I mean that dude travels so much. Yeah, he really does. It. Yeah, I, you know, like he knows where he's going to be. He knows people yeah. are going to buy his classes. Like he has mm-hmm. that security. And I yes. like I tell him all the time, and he'll be like, yeah, I don't really have a social media plan. And I go, I know, man, because you built that. <laughs> and you have that. <laughs> no, reputation. exactly. I I'm yes. still working on that. <laughs> so until until I got people like knocking down the door to get into things, like I'll get on Instagram and make my stupid reels.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think your reels are great. And also just so you know, like as far as the, um, algorithm goes, uh, self-generated audio. So like not reusing audio right now is Mm. what is being pushed on the algorithm. So you're doing a good job when it comes to that. And I just love your videos. I did have one pop up in the middle of my master's class the other day, on like full volume and i was like i i like had to kind of explain i don't know i did that awkward thing where i just started explaining what i was watching to my instructor it was just it was awesome but it's awesome the the tiktok was about being i of course was going off of a trend for this tiktok um but it was about just feeling so bad that women have this mentality like i shouldn't have to carry a gun i i shouldn't have to do this and that's why i'm not going to do it yeah. I understand where they're coming from. I I do completely understand and I agree with them. They absolutely shouldn't have to. I don't agree that that means they should just not do anything and um recently I've had to have a lot of conversations with a few friends of mine. One is dealing with a restraining order and just a just a mm-hmm. very unhinged um former partner, that's the most I'll say and that was one of her worries. She was like, I shouldn't have to carry a gun. And she almost said it defensively. And I told her, I was like, I completely agree. And I like, at the end of the day, I'm going to respect your decision, but I'm always going to be here as a resource for you. If you decide. The other conversation was with my sister, who's a teacher in Colorado. And for some reason in like wherever she's in Colorado, she's near Denver. That's the most specific I'll get. They have like active shooter things pop up like at least once a month. And I'm always sending her these resources. Like, there's this like Bobcat, like door.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, do you know what I'm talking about? It's like yeah. a, a door blocker. It's like a steel bar that they can connect. And then all they have to do is like pull a lever and then the door is like bolted into place. Right. Um, and I, I sent her information on like some concealed carry stuff. And that was the conversation we had. She was like, teachers should not have to conceal carry. You know, they don't get paid enough to even like, train and like they're not provided with training or weaponry and it was this we honestly got a little heated I'm not gonna lie because like in the beginning of the conversation I was just trying to get her to understand that I just cared about her safety as my sister I didn't I wasn't trying to get into like politics and you know what people should be doing I was like I just want to know that you are going to be taking action now and it I kind of like that was the first time someone's like stuck to their side and said like, no, that's just not something I should have to do. And like, I had to just respect that position. Yeah. Um, you can't, um, force so that's absolutely a thing.
1: And it's, um, yeah. You know, which is an interesting place to be at because that's, you know, the last couple of years, especially I've, uh, I've really leaned into the idea of understanding language and communication just in general and, and getting better at that. Because to me, that's a huge element that, you know, when people would teach, like for instance, with Craig's courses, I know we keep bringing Craig up, but A, we've been training with him a bunch. And secondly, <laughs> yeah. dude really like right the overview. I mean, good Lord, Craig's courses are insane. But the communication aspect of his courses is hands down the hardest part. Like you can wrestle all day and shoot things and fight and do the scenarios and that's fine. But the the, the under, being able to verbalize, maybe deescalate, pick up on certain things and keep it going, that's such a huge element of it. And so I've been really big on language and communication and things like that. And it's very fascinating because um, there's a book by a guy named Marshall Rosenberg. He's since passed, uh, but it's called Nonviolent Communication. Which it's funny for a self defense instructor to to be promoting a book called Nonviolent Communication. However, Marshall Rosenberg was um, he's known for being able to essentially cut through and mediate like the hardest, most crazy. Uh, um, you know, debates or arguments or fights or like things like that. I mean, I'm talking like, from my understanding, like sitting down with warlords on two sides that are trying to kill each other. And like, can we, can we come to some agreement here? And uh, it's really fascinating when you look at that, because if you, we have a tendency in my experience, when something has benefited us, we immediately want it to benefit other people. And so oftentimes when when we get into a lot of heated debates and arguments, it's like, why can't you see how good this is? This was good, you know what I mean? But it's, we we come from, in, in a lot of cases, sometimes it's just assholes being assholes. However, in, in a lot of cases, people are genuinely coming from a place where they think they're doing good. They're generally helping. However, what we do is we, we preach. It's all about us, 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 right? And so even in that case where you know, you're trying to have a conversation with your sister and you're like, I'm just trying to make sure you're safe and all that. It's like, that's money. I mean, trust me, I've had these conversations with my sister and everything else in between it. Like I've, you know, at least from my spectrum, I get it, but it's fascinating when you can stop and go, Oh, okay. Like, you know, Oh, you know, you don't, you don't think teachers should be able to do that. Awesome. Like when you think about having to defend your kids, like what's that bring up for you, you know? And that like flipping it back on them and starting to figure out like, what drives these thoughts in your head you know what i mean like what like what do you feel when you get into this what do you picture when you're into that oh okay wow yeah i mean that i can't even imagine like obviously you're in school and you're in there you're trying to nurture them and things like that like that would be terrifying like what do you you know in these cases where these you know you have an instance where somebody comes through like you know what do you think should be done oh well i think this 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 and this oh that's awesome appreciate you sharing that with like Have you thought about this? But it's like making it more of a conversation about their needs, their desires, their thoughts and allowing them to unpack it uh, versus what we have a tendency to do, especially on the internet, which is, well, you know, no, this is the best. And, you know, or we fight and we, we dig ourselves down to defend our side instead of simply asking a bunch of questions. Um, And I have had people on Instagram or YouTube that they thought they were going to get a rile out of me and they were going to, you know, this is fucking stupid, like that type thing. And I'll go, Hey man, I, you know, I appreciate you engaging with the video. You know, what do you think stupid about this? You know, what would you do differently? I'm very excited to learn. And it just, you know what I mean? It just takes the wind out of their sails because they're like, Oh fuck, that's not what I was planning on hearing. And it's like, (laughs) but to a certain degree in that case, Like for you with your sister, if the objective is, and this is hard, by the way, like this takes practice and I still suck at it and I've been practicing it. But if your case, if your objective is to, to get your sister to train and for her to be safer and you look at it and go, okay, for the way for me to get her safer is for her to realize she needs this as opposed to me telling her she needs this. Then you realize like, okay, actually, instead of me you know, preaching what has worked really well for me. How can I start to dig, like, what are her feelings around this? What would she do to help herself and those type of things? Well, it's the same thing on the internet. Like, if somebody badmouths, uh, you know, a, a video, a self-defense video we put up, well, there's something in there. Feedback is feedback. There's definitely good knowledge in there in some form or fashion. So then it brings up the case, which is like, well, do I want to engage with this or not? And if the answer is no, then just ignore the comment and walk away. But if you're going to engage, you might as well get value out of the comment. So then it's like, hey man, like what did you, you know, what did you mean by that? What would you do differently in this case? And it might be fruitful, it not might be uh nothing may come out of it. But if you're going to engage in a conversation and you have an objective to get out of it anyway, you're like by talking only about our own experiences and telling our side of the story continually, all we're doing is essentially making ourselves feel good. And sometimes that does work. People will go like, Oh my God, that works for Sophia. And now I want to be able to do that. Or like, Oh man, I saw grace do this thing. And like, Oh man, now that makes you want to do it. But in a lot of cases where you have somebody that has already shown that they disagree or they have a difference of opinion in most cases, just reciting your list of reasons why your side is right is, is going to make them bury back in most cases. Um, and so it's so interesting. Like the last couple of years, I've really dug into to communication um, and language in general through various programs and books and things like that. And I, first off, I'm way fucking happier because I've stopped engaging in like bullshit conversations that don't matter. Like some people, you just look at them and you go like, you're not going to change your mind. Like, and it's probably going to get you killed. <laughs> you know, it's like, whatever, it doesn't me, you know? Uh, right, right. So, and so I'm like way happier. However, I've also had more people change their minds. It might not be completely the way that I look at it, but actually open to changing their mind because I made it about their thoughts. You know what I mean? So it takes extra yeah. work. It takes extra engagement, but if you want to, there's a huge piece there. And it's also really important to come back to, we're talking about self-defense because nowadays with everybody wound so tight, uh, definitely tighter than, you know, we, we have been in the past or at least so it seems the likelihood that somebody is one argument away from snapping into some form of violence, whether that violence is simply punching or shoving all the way up to pulling out a gun and shooting somebody. I don't want to engage that. I want to just like, you know, I want to disengage away from that. So if I got somebody that's on the brink of losing their shit and I'm the first person that ever asked them their thought on that. And, you know, it's at least kind of like, uh, what, what was it? Uh, Billy Madison where he's like, he called the dude to apologize. And then the guy comes back, he's got his list of people he's going to kill. And he's like, i called well, call that guy. Like at least like if that dude's going to snap, it's like, whew, maybe I'll be off the list, you know, and <laughs> so, but it's like, there's, it, it takes time. It's much like the KCC program. Like it takes time. It's not a one weekend thing. Like you got to practice for months and months and months and months and months to see improvement out of it. But if you're willing to put the time and the work in, you live a happier life. You're more confident. You have a higher level of confidence. And you're, you're disengaging from violence even furthermore. And that should always be the objective. I don't ever want to get into a physical fight. Uh, like, I'm really good at fighting. I would avoid it like the plague. Because nothing good comes out of it. Even if I win, there's a chance I get taken to freaking civil court and some other shit and get torn apart by the whole legal system and everything. It's just not worth it. So you disengage. And a huge part of that is the communication aspect. So... I have no idea how the hell we got on this topic. But can no. you tell? Like, I get very excited about communication. Like I, I jones out of psychology and communication.
0: <laughs> no, that's wonderful. I actually own that book. I just haven't read it. And I mm. I'm actually really glad you brought it up. It had to do with um just the way I kind of saw my dad communicate. And then I kind of internalized that style of communication because I mm-hmm. saw it be effective, not for the right reasons. Um, and then I realized that doesn't work with people that come from healthy homes. And, um, I, I had to buy that book. Um, but I started therapy around the same time and I was like, all right, therapy's enough. It's not going to be on my butt with like how difficult it is to like yeah. really work on those inner demons. But that book has been on my list. So I'm really excited. I feel like it's definitely a sign that I need to start it like sooner rather yeah, it's than later. Like a pretty short read. Yeah. Yes, it's a pretty short absolutely.
1: That's yeah, a good one. I've I've read that book read and, or listened to, um, probably about six or seven times now. Uh, and he's just, it's, just nice. it's a very neat book. Uh, it's a very neat book. So
0: yeah, you learn something new every time. I'm sure. Yeah. I sure. like books like that. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. I do want to ask you, and you pretty much, I feel like you may have already said this, but to ask it directly, this is probably one of the biggest things that I get with women. Um, they'll say things like, Um, I, I have pepper spray, so I'm good, but what would be like the next thing I could do? Should it be a knife or, or should it be a gun? And that is just such a, to me, a very hard question to answer. First of all, I don't have enough training with a knife to be able to say one or the other. I did a lot of Krav growing up and by a lot, I mean my instructor that I got my black belt with in my traditional Korean style martial arts for seven years, also taught Krav. So every Friday, so just once a week, we would do knife training, so I of course thought I was really good with a, a blade, and that's it's silly now looking back. But um, that's about the extent of my knowledge besides going to your course, uh, which don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it wasn't incredibly insightful. Um, other than me doing you know half of the class <laughs> leaving because I was sick, but um, but you know a lot of that training has to come from you know your students training from home. Uh, so all of this to say, I don't normally feel comfortable saying one or the other. Um, and I also don't feel comfortable putting it in the hierarchy because they're so unique as far as like their potential and, um, their concealability and the, the type of training that they require, um, knives you can train at home with, uh, you can train like with a, a like a faux blade and a dummy. Whereas like, if you're going to shoot, you, you actually need to go to the range and invest in ammo and like, what would you say to someone who almost like asks, asks about a hierarchy of like weaponry to carry. And if you want to throw in a little, uh, like a little bit of your opinion on tasers and stun guns as well, we would love to hear that.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a really good question. We, we, you know, I get that a lot. Um, self-defense for a lot of people, especially for females, the market for a very long time was, was you need a tool. You're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You can't fight. So here, go buy a gun or go buy a taser. And then and like tools are great, but they're exactly that. They're tools. Um, so it's a, it's a it's a great question. It's an interesting one to ask. I'm I'm in the same regard as you. Now, first off, I have zero experience with tasers. Uh, I have zero experience with stun guns. And to be completely honest, I have very minimal experience with pepper sprays or anything like that. So like that's definitely okay. kind of my department. Um, okay. like, growing up, I've always been a bare knuckle kind of person. And then I got into firearms and I got into knives. And so there I feel comfortable talking about, but I I would say this, I would start, I I don't think there's a hierarchy. The question is going to be, if you're going to carry something, how much are you going to train? And Mm -hmm. if you're not Mm -hmm. going to train, what's the liability in that? Like ask those questions. Now, one question that I, I, I don't see posed enough is, Do you understand that if you carry a firearm, you're carrying a firearm to kill a human? It's not for self-defense. It is not for protection. You carry a firearm if you're carrying it for self-defense. You're carrying a firearm to kill a human. Can you live with that? Can you even approach that, right? Okay, you're carrying a knife. Okay, now you're carrying a knife to kill a human and you're going to feel every bit of you killing that human. You're going to feel pushing the knife into their body. You're going to feel the blood coming off of their body, getting onto your hands. Like that's a whole nother level from psychology standpoint. So can you deal with that? That's different, right? If those, if you answer both of those, like, I can't see myself doing that in any way, shape or form. Well, now we need to start talking about, you know, whatever bludgeons and pepper spray and things like that, that may be less lethal. Because you can train all you want and you can be an expert marksman, but there's a massive difference between shooting paper and watching a hole drive in somebody's skull because you shot them in the face. That's a huge difference. And that's one area that, in my opinion, is, is oftentimes underlooked. Like the first question I ask people when they come in to do firearms training is like, why do you carry a gun? And most out of the cases are like, well, you know, I just feel like I want to be able to defend myself. Like, okay, that's fine. I understand what you're attempting to do with the gun. But you do realize that to carry the gun and to defend yourself, that means you have to be willing to use it. And if you're willing to use it, that means you're willing to kill a human being and live with the repercussions of that, both legally and psychologically, whatever that ends up being, right? And if you can't address that, if you can't sit with the thought of living your life after killing a human, then you shouldn't be carrying a gun yet until you sit down with those thoughts. You journal on that shit. You know, go find a... Uh, a therapist and have some good conversations about it. Hey, you know, I am in fear for my life and I do want to carry a gun and that's going to mean killing somebody like man like can I set up a system uh to be able to to even deal with those traumas and those thoughts and those triggers and those stories afterwards? Because if you if you miss that I mean, it's not to say like if you know all right, you know, plenty of people have defended themselves with a firearm with no background with no training. But that is a thing. It's it's not preferred, but it is a thing So <laughs> <laughs> That is totally fine I told, you, I told you 5 o'clock, right? Like, this is where uh, Well, yes. 5 o'clock yes. five about my time 4 o'clock your time uh, Oh
0: no, okay but, I'm so sorry, I didn't oh, put good. that together Do you oh, need to go right free.
1: now? But uh, uh, In like 5 or 7 minutes Perfect.
0: Um, That's actually the episode length, anyway. So perfect. But awesome. honestly, like,
1: long story short, if you don't address the psychological element, in my opinion, you shouldn't even be thinking about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. absolutely. Thought, like, why do you carry a gun? Well, I carry yeah. a gun to potentially have to kill a human. Okay, I'm a, good. Yeah. Let's talk about that. And now let's learn how to kill a human, because then that yeah. also changes the way people train. Mm-hmm. Because now all of a sudden, it doesn't matter if I shoot tiny little groupings. Because the way you shut humans down is you get as much of the bread stuff to come out of the body. So all I need is a bunch of holes throughout the center chest. Okay, well, fine. That changes the way. Now I understand what I'm trying to get done here. I'm not firing off warning shots. I'm not shooting them in the leg to slow them down. Like all those, those big myths and things that get into it. It's like you carry a gun to potentially kill a human being. Start there. So to me, that's the first conversation before anything else. And if that is makes somebody startle or lock up or get tightness in their chest or they start breathing and kind of panicking at the thought of having to kill a human being, especially with a knife where you have to plunge that through flesh, you're going to hit bone. It might get stuck in bone. Like there's going to be blood. Like if you can't do that, then let's at least address that before we start saying you're going to carry a knife everywhere you go. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's where I would start. That would be the first thing. And then from there, I don't think there's a hierarchy. It just comes down to, are you going to train? And are you going to train the open-hand skills needed to implement that weapon? Now, in cases, there are some... Look, there are always extraneous cases. I work with... um, You know, I've worked with people in the past that are, uh, you know, wheelchair-bound. It's like, okay, like, you're limited in your ability to do some of the physical skills. Let's be honest about that. So running is not a great option. Your ability to fight is definitely hindered. It's still there, but it's definitely hindered. So now, maybe a knife is going to come into play because if somebody's going to fight you, it's probably close quarters. They're going to grab on you, try to throw you out of the chair, that type of stuff. Maybe a firearm is in play the way that you're going to carry it and move with it, like all those things. So there's extraneous circumstances where it's like, okay, you, you really do need this. Um, however, you still need to have that conversation, which is, are you willing to kill a human being? And to me, that's a a big piece of the puzzle that a lot of people, a lot of people oftentimes overlook or, or they brush over. Yeah, 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 right. yeah I have to Kill somebody. That's like, no, 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 I want you to sit for a second, close your eyes and picture literally killing a human being for a second. Well, I don't want to do that. Yeah, because it's fucking uncomfortable. And guess what? Self defense yeah. is uncomfortable. It's it's training is uncomfortable if you're doing it right. <laughs> right. Training is mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Verbalization and communication is uncomfortable. Hurting people is uncomfortable. Being hurt is uncomfortable. Making decisions to advocate for yourself, you know, in the cases of like domestic abuse, all that stuff's uncomfortable spend time training to to lean into that discomfort and to become more comfortable being uncomfortable. You know what I mean? And that's where the training element comes. People, in my opinion, they overlook the psychological element a lot.
0: I did not realize we were going to get into that today. And I am so glad we did because yeah, totally. I honestly think that's something our our episodes have lacked to this point, which is exciting, but you know, because mm-hmm. that means we have a lot to talk about. But um hearing that from you especially is, is very special. So that's awesome. Um, I, I think wonderful. The last thing I do, uh, want to say, um, I do want to just like, if you, you can just, as much as you want to say about it is perfect, but I have a lot of girlfriends like, like a handful that are like, yeah, I carry a pocket knife and like, it's always in my back pocket and like, I'm good. And then I'll say something like, yeah, well, do you do any training with it? They're like, no, but I'll be okay. Like, what, how would you, what would you say to, like, people who, like, right now maybe are listening and, like, have a pocket knife and it's just, like, this sense of security for them, but they've never really thought about, like, what would happen if they had to pull it? What would you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'd start first and foremost with that. Like, make them think about it. Um, okay. Or yeah. invite them to think about it. You can't make anybody think about anything. I'd invite right. them yeah. them. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Pin them down, Grace. Like S <laughs> like, mount, shoving their face into the ground. Right there, across, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like, Get a nice
0: little X guard, yeah. sweep them over, jump know, on top. Yeah.
1: If you can't stop yes. that X guard sweep, you, you can't stab me with a knife. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so that would be that would be where I would start with it, and then okay. if you needed if you needed if you wanted to go this far with it, and you needed to make a point. You give yeah. them a training blade and say, okay, like you – like I'm going to start an altercation, pull it, right? And then, you know, you make that altercation realistic, which is like it's a surprise. It's an ambush. They don't know it's coming right out of the gate. You do things that jar their hands and then just make them realize, like, oh, wow, maybe there's a little bit more to this than I thought. Um, that's, you know, that's that's the downfall of a lot of people that carry, you know, pepper spray and things like that is like it needs to be in your hand to use it. You know what I mean? And and so do you have the physical skill set or the awareness to get the tool in your hand to be able to use it? And a lot of people with knives, like think about it, like you might feel relatively comfortable walking to your car at night with a thing of pepper spray in your hand. But how comfortable do you feel with a drawn blade walking? And now you're the crazy fucking lady walking around with an open blade that people are calling cops on. So there's the, right, Grace, list right here. This <laughs> is so, me. I mean, it, it's just one of those elements. It's like, what what are you going to do to get the thing in your hand? And if that's not a thing you're going to do, then there's nothing you can do with that point. And again, they might still say like, no, I got my knife. I'll be fine. And it's like, that's okay. I'm going to let you know in my experience, it's a lot difficult. You, it still might work. It's a lot more difficult than you think. But hey, heads up, you know, it's fine. I've tried. If you ever want to talk about this, I'm here as a resource. But otherwise you know, is what it is.
0: Here, sign this waiver. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Sign the waiver. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Is there anything else you would like to say on the pod before you
1: we jump off here? I think we talked about really cool stuff. Um, yeah. I, love, I love self-defense. I love sharing ideas and having conversations. So all of this is stuff I love talking about, like communication, fighting, wrestling, stabbing people, shooting things. Like, it's all my favorite stuff. So... I've yeah. you crushed it. Y'all are awesome.
0: Absolutely. You're awesome. Thank you for coming on. And we're just going to sign off. Just so you guys know, we are going to tag Aaron Donetti's Instagram, his website, and any other information you guys will need in order to get in contact with him, follow him, watch his reels, his screaming reels, and go to one of his courses, guys. If there's one near you, I mean, just don't think, just do, you know what I mean? It was, it. it was a really, yeah, I, I'm so glad I went. To I definitely. Add to cart, yes. And check out through PayPal Express. So just kidding. They don't sponsor us, so you don't have to use them. But anyway, <laughs> if, you guys, if you guys are interested in exclusive content, you can join our Patreon. That is where we are going to post the video portion of this interview. You get, of course, stickers, thank you notes, and more exclusive content from She Pod. Please follow us at She Pod on Instagram and TikTok for updates. You can email us your stories and or questions or episode ideas to sheshieldpod at gmail.com. Thank you to Segetta Gear, our lovely sponsor. Uh, If you guys are looking for duty gear or concealed carry gear, you can use code SHESHIELD10 for 10% off of your order on segettagear.com. Everything we've mentioned, again, will be in the show notes. Those are the notes below the title. Otherwise, stay safe. And bring snacks. Bye. Bye.